This is Transparency, a podcast by Gender Dysphoria Alliance, hosted by Aaron Kimberly and Aaron Terrell. Each week we'll be joined by people who have personal or professional experience with gender dysphoria and physical transition. We'll also discuss how our trans experiences relate to the concept of gender identity. Join us for a compassionate yet heterodox approach to the question of trans. Um, yeah, so let's just uh, start. So we've got Janet here with us today as, as our guest, which we're excited about. Some of you may remember her from Twitter as, as Cat Lady. Um, so we're, we're really happy to, to chat with you today, Janet. I, we have had a lot of people asking a little bit about why you were banned from Twitter. I wonder if that's a question that you can answer since people are curious um, and concerned. I mean- I, you know, I can answer it um, as best as I can. Um, so during the initial part of the WeSpa uh, debacle, um, all of a sudden I got a, got a notification that looked really weird to me. Um, I can't explain how it seemed uh, off. Uh, and then, uh, but basically... Within that notification, it was it wasn't a quote tweet, but it was a quote from our former president. It was a rather racist quote about Mexicans, and I understood potentially why somebody was sending that to me because I think they were kind of trying to do the whole well, you know, you're tarring and feathering all trans women because of something you know one has done, uh, and then somehow. I got a later that night, I got a notification from Twitter with an image as if I had sent that tweet. And I'm going, but I, I didn't. I didn't, you know, that tweet did not come from me. And, you know, and it just said, my account has been suspended. It wasn't a, you know, delete this tweet and, you know, you can wait 12 hours. It was just your account is suspended. And I can still. I can still access my account. I can still like see all of my uh, history unless I actually like click on something. Uh, and I mean, there, there, it does that tweet does not exist. It's not there. It didn't come from me. And I've appealed. Um, unfortunately, with Twitter, all you can do is wait. Um, they will take their sweet time. Um, you have no ability, as far as I've been told, to actually speak to a real human person. Uh, so it's been a little over a month now, I guess, that I have been off Twitter. And uh, whoever decided that they thought that that would be a way to silence me uh, kind of made the wrong choice because um, it pissed me off <laughs> and uh, made me want to talk more. And so that's why uh, I started my YouTube channel back up. Uh, I try to post uh, periodically. A lot of times it's more of just something will come to me that I have to, I feel I have to get out because I don't have that outlet now that Twitter was giving me to kind of, vent my frustration at where we are now. 
Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, now I'm doing videos, uh, talking to you guys, hoping to you know, start doing a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, now I'm off Twitter for the moment, but, you know, I'm not I'm not being quiet. <laughs> and I do appreciate you know, everyone that is uh, you know, kind of keeping the torch alive out there in Twitter land for me. Uh, you know, whenever I post a video, people, you know, forward it on. I, because I'm still able to go into Twitter somewhat, I can at least see, you know, when people are talking about me so that, you know, I do see, you know, the messages from people wondering where I am and, make, you know, wondering if I'm okay. Uh, I am. I hope that I can eventually get back to Twitter, uh, but it's just a waiting game. It's funny what you said about, uh, obviously, that that blocking or that banning or suspension that you got kind of, you know, made you angry and wanted you to speak up more. That's actually how I first got invested in this is um, I, Ariel Scarcella had made a post saying, you know, please submit your controversial LGBT um, feelings. And I said that the T didn't belong because it's a mental disorder and not a sexual orientation. This was two years ago and I got suspended for that. And I was like, what the hell? So now, now I'm talking about nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, it's how our brains work. <laughs> yeah. And well, and I mean, it's really funny. Yeah. Uh... You know, because for the most part, I mean, I could just walk away and the trans part of my life wouldn't have much impact on my day-to-day -day life. But what bothers me is too few of us are speaking out on this side of the topic, especially I'm not seeing a lot of trans women. And like when the We Spa thing hit, you know, I was seeing, you know, I was seeing posts and I was seeing even videos from gender critical people saying, you know, where are the trans people talking about this? Where are the ones that are, you know, saying that, you know, this shouldn't happen? That, yeah, you know, having male genitals in a female space is wrong. And literally all I was coming across were, you know, trans women that were, doing videos about, well, that poor trans woman, how awful she feel, she must feel that she's under such scrutiny. It's like, no, I feel bad for, you know, any women that were there that, you know, were all of a sudden presented with an unexpected penis. I mean, you know, no, that's where my sympathy is, you know, <laughs> that they didn't enter a space expecting to see that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where, you know, why is it said, you know, no, I've got to, you know, I've got to be a voice out there. Somebody's got to be talking, even if it's, you know, even if it's just a few. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that I think I've seen other people post about this. Like we, we don't tend to hear stories of trans men, you know, um, who haven't yet had bottom surgery, getting on getting naked in in men's change rooms or 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 men's washrooms i mean that doesn't that doesn't tend to happen if it's if it is it certainly isn't being reported but the reason i think why that wouldn't happen i mean i know that i wouldn't feel safe doing that exactly um, um so if if it, and so what is that about right so what is it about that i wouldn't feel safe doing that but certain trans women feel safe 
exposing themselves in, in female washrooms. Well, that's about safety, right? Because, right. because why? It, because biological males we know are more aggressive, less safe on average than, than women are on average. Right. So. Right. And it's, you know, and Aaron, I mentioned this to you, uh, you know, I have this theory that I have, you know, kind of dubbed the uh, dubbed the uh, deploy transman defense shield, <laughs> and I see so many trans people, especially trans women, but I'm seeing a lot of trans men deploy it themselves, and it's you know basically the idea that you know, well, if you insist that trans women must be in men's spaces, then trans men have to be in women's spaces. And then they'll post a picture of say Buck Angel and say, yeah, do you want him in your, you know, in your space? And it's like, but then you're also going to a criticize Buck for, you know, being a transsexual and, you know, not, you know, and say that you don't have to transition, you know, to be, to be a trans man. Uh, but yet, you're, you know, you're clearly using the image of somebody that has transitioned to appear male. And also you're just ignoring the fact that there is realistic differences because of our physical bodies that, yeah, you're a, a trans woman that has not physically transitioned and even one that has, it's not really going to have the same safety concern entering a women's space as a trans man, a trans man will entering a men's space. I imagine, you know, I, you know, I, my understanding and my expectation is that especially for a lot of trans men, they're not using men's spaces either one, if they have an option of a third space or a single occupancy space, a lot of them are choosing that instead. And if not, you know, they're very conscious of how well they pass in that space. Because if they don't pass, the safety issue is so much greater for them, not so much for the other men in that space. It's the idea of being a female in a male space that puts them at risk. Whereas trans women, yeah, you know, on average, we're going to be bigger, stronger, not really at risk from the women in a woman's space. And I, you know, I've had that comment so many times, like talking about prison, you know, if you want trans women to be in women's prison, then uh, in men's prisons, and you want you know, trans men to be in women's prisons. And I'm like, yeah, for the most part, I want trans men in women's prisons because most of them are, would be, you know, up a creek without a paddle in, in a men's prison because it's our bodies that, if anything, puts us at risk, not, you know, not this idea of, you know, a gender in our head. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I mean, take the trans issue out of the conversation entirely, and 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 just think about you know the biological realities between you know male and female. There was a reason why 
things like bathrooms and sports were segregated in the first place. Yeah. Right. I mean, of course, there's going to be exceptions to every rule that, of course, there's, there are some men that are smaller and less physically um, strong than, than some biological females out there. Um, but on average, um, men tend to be bigger, stronger, faster than women and tend to, um, tend to commit violent crime more often than or sexualized crime more often than women. So, I mean, that was just common sense before the trans issue got came into that picture, right? That was just that was just common sense that we need to segregate certain spaces for safety reasons and for safety reasons. And our yeah. identities or our gender dysphoria don't change that reality, right? That it doesn't change that biological reality. So, it's I think we're all on the same page that you know we respect you know that that some people have dysphoria, some people. Are, are trans and I don't want um, trans people to be unsafe either. Um, you know, I, but we can't just ignore these common sense realities, right? So we have to be able to problem solve and find nuanced solutions to these things. And, and I, th and I think that's, I think that's part of the problem is the idea of nuance has gone completely out the window. You know, mm -hmm. The, you know, the idea now of having third spaces is seen as transphobic. You know, it's this, you know, it's like, no, I'm sorry. No one is going to pay enough attention to me that if I go into a single occupancy restroom, they're going to go, oh, she went in there because she's trans. No, I, I've, been, I've been to places where the single occupancy restroom has a line for it because people want the privacy of being in a single occupancy restroom as opposed to being in the general restroom with everyone else. Now, and certainly not all those people are trans. <laughs> um, you, know, the, you know, it's gotten to the point where, it, you know, it's, it, it's everything now. You, ha you, know, you have to be included in everything under every circumstance as what your gender says you are, whether you've transitioned or not. And it's like, that makes no sense. I mean, you know, I mean, I could, I could really, you know, I could legitimately argue that, you know, being a post-op transsexual, there are situations where it is probably better for me to be in a women's space or, you know, than a man's space. Now, I try now not to really make those arguments because I think women deserve a, you know, a space that is technically single sex. But, you know, I could at least make a legitimate argument about, you know, yeah, you know, if you put, you know, if you, you know, if I go to the beach and I go into the men's locker room and change in there, you know, I'm technically exposing, you know, whatever children are in there to what appears to everyone else, a female body, whether it really is or not, that's what they're seeing. Um, you know, that would be, you know, just as inappropriate. <laughs> oh, but stuff like that happens. Like <laughs> I, 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 as, as a long haul trucker, I traveled in the United States and down there, um, if the lineup in the women's bathroom is long, 
women think nothing of using the men's room. Like yeah. I, I've gone into uh, duty-free shops where a tour, whatever, a gender seg segregated tour came in. So there's like 50 women and they all need to go to the bathroom. And suddenly I'm in a lineup for the men's bathroom with five or 10 women in front of me. And, and to be honest, I've never, I'm, I'm surprised that there's never as much you know, talk from men about that because as ridiculous as the bathroom issue becomes at some point on a trans level, I mean, the men's bathroom, you know, even though I haven't been in one for a few years now, you know, they at least do have, you know, open areas where technically you do see things, you know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, I would be, you know, I would be much more, you know, I would be much more upset as a man you know, utilizing that space and seeing, you know, a woman walk in, you know, while I was at a urinal, not that I can use one, but, you know, you know, but, the, you know, I, I'm always kind of surprised. And I think, I think it does kind of come down to this odd idea of, you know, it's the safety and also just like some moral propriety type thing. And, as much as I think that it's important that women have that, I think it's sad that, you know, we kind of don't allow men to have the same thing. And, mm. uh, you know, it's like, you know, why, you know, why, yes, there's a safety issue existent for women, but there's also just as much of a privacy issue for men but we just kind of throw our hands up and kind of go, well, eh, no, no big deal for them. Yeah. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to know, you know, and speculate what's on other people's minds, but I mean, let's just hazard a guess, like what might be the barrier for members of our community to be able to just have this conversation and problem solve some of these nuances. What, what do you think? your best guess would be is, is to why our community is sort of taking this stance and, and isn't willing to kind of budge and problem solve and, and admit, well, we do have biological reality as trans people that, that our, our identities don't, or our choices to transition doesn't, doesn't change. So um, I, I mean, I, I, I tr I've tried talking to guys on, on forums about this kind of thing, right? Like, and trying to be as gentle as possible about it saying, well, you know, what, what do you guys think about, you know, incarcerated women being abused, you know, now that more and more trans women are being transferred into female prisons? What, what do you think about that? Like, why is that okay for women to be assaulted, you know, in these vulnerable spaces? Um, and, and, um, rather disheartened to, to you know by the response to that right that that have been booted yeah. off these forums and stuff rather than people being willing to engage in in debate about that and my impression when i've done that is isn't that they're just uncaring jerks I mean, my impression from the responses was that they don't actually believe that's happening right there's there's this cognitive block for them that they just think no yeah. that's not happening and by you bringing it up you're basically lying to us and therefore you have some sort of malicious intent yeah it's i i i think you've got a couple different things i think you've got 
I think you've got a whole new generation of trans people. And I'd say that I say generation as ge generation as in the time frame in which they transition, not so much their actual physical age that have come into being trans under this, you know, trans ideology of identity being everything. And I think, so I think that's part of it. I think part of it is, yeah, they, you know, they, you're, so, they get so accustomed to this idea that everyone else is misrepresenting or you know, you're making too much out of, you know, one or two things that, you know, yeah, there, you know, there are going to be bad people. So, so what? And it's like, okay, you know, but, you know, if, you know, if there are so few, few trans people, which statistically there really are, there are, you know, but yet we say, well, trans people are statistically significant enough to, you know, warrant all these things, all these changes in policies, all these, you know, all these things that we want. Why is that a significant statistic? But the people that are being impacted negatively are not, you know, why, you know, why is, why are trans women in prison more important than the women in prison that are being assaulted by people who are trans. And so, you know, it's like, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have a small minority being very important and also a small minority being so unimportant we don't address it or say that it doesn't exist. You're right. It's kind well, of a numbers game, hey? Yeah, <clears throat> it's an interesting numbers game. Because <laughs> you're you're right that on one hand they we want people to care about us even though we're a minority but if you bring up you know prisons issue or bathroom issue or or detransitioners issue it's always like well no it's such a small percentage that why should we care about that and it's like yeah but they're real people I mean a single any a single woman being raped or assaulted in prison is something that we should we should care about and. And think about how do we how do we problem solve and keep people safe, or or if it's if it's true, it's like I don't know what the percentage they're saying now about detransition. If that's true, that two percent or five percent or whatever is it uh, has regret. Well, why can't we still care about that and and problem solve and and try to make try to um, show interest in their experience so we can better understand how can we better serve everybody that seeks out care. And I and I think part of the problem is because I because I know I fell into this because uh, and I and I try very hard now to be open about the fact that yeah for for a few years when I first transitioned I was much more on the you know trans rights advocate side but you know I think when we as individuals think about some of these issues you know we we internalize them as, you know, how we would react in those situations or, you know, what we would do. And even, you know, if we know other trans people, you know, we think about, you know, well, yeah, you know, Sally wouldn't do this and, you know, John wouldn't do this and whatnot. And so, you know, it, it, you know, I used to always say, you know, yeah, 
you know, no trans woman would ever expose her genitals in a female space because it would, you know, it would be so dysphoric that, you know, why would, you know, how could you possibly do that? That's, you know, like the key thing that would, you know, prove that, you know, you don't belong there. And then I go on Twitter and I see a bunch of trans people, including trans celebrities that basically said, I have every right to do that. And it's like, okay, I can't say that anymore. Now, just because I wouldn't, or the people that I know personally wouldn't, that doesn't mean that there aren't trans people that will. I can't use that argument because you've just proven me wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. It somehow shifted so that our, our identities are basically our, all that we are and our bodies are entirely irrelevant. So whatever, whatever shell you happen to be in, it's irrelevant to, to, what, uh, to what bathroom you access and what yeah. you do with your body in there. It's all about your internal sense of identity. That, that's how they're approaching it. That's, the, that's the, um, the mentality that leads one to a place where it's totally fine to expose a penis in a woman's yeah. changing space because that penis belongs to a woman. So why wouldn't that be fine is, is um, what they're thinking. It's madness. And, and I also, I'm, I'm so afraid that this whole disassociation from our physical bodies is also playing a factor in medical transition. You know, if, if we are so detached from our bodies that, you know, we're not really caring or paying attention to the impact that something that's very, very serious will have on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, we are making, you know, you're not really necessarily making the best choices. Yeah, it's such a disembodied way of looking at things, is, isn't it? I mean, to your point, Aaron, that it's, you know, identity is all that matters and, and our biology isn't what matters. And, um, I don't know how we kind of get back because that's new. Like, I don't, I don't remember that being the theme as to the same degree that it is now. I don't remember that as much like 20 years ago or whatever. Like it, um, I don't know how we get back to this place that, that we're, that we're, we're trans and that that should be okay. Um, You know, we should still have rights and safety, but it, I don't see how it benefits us as people, as as trans people, either to have this very disembodied existence where, you know, a trans woman is a woman in, in every way and a trans man is a man in every way and, and that we don't have real, very real biological differences. I mean, that I don't know exactly how to articulate this, but I mean, that has implications for our well-being as well, not not just the societal problems that are that are the result of that, but to not acknowledge our own physicality in a realistic way what does that mean for our health choices down the road or you know or just our relationship with our body and and how we're how we're thinking through our own process of how do I fit in the world in a way that's respectful of other people and other people's rights um, so that I can coexist with people in a way that they trust us right because we've our activism has well two things I mean a the disembodiment and, and and I don't see how that benefits me to have a disembodied existence because I'm older now as, as you all are, I'm older, I'm having health problems now because I'm older and um, because of testosterone. And so I'm having to think through these things in terms of my bio- biological reality. And I've said this a few times now, like if I were to have a heart attack 
because of my high cholesterol? Am I going to have female warning signs or male warning signs? Like those questions become more um, a part of my reality now that my body itself is is starting to to experience aging. And so that I mean that's that's one side of it. And may, I don't know. Maybe I'll just leave it at at that point and and see what what you all think. I was about to go off on another tangent, but. <laughs> I'll just I'll just kind of going back to the whole difference between our bodies and our identities and, and that, that them wanting to, to kind of um, separate the two. It's interesting how they're able to use that as one basically saying that therefore whatever space you use is dependent on is independent of your actual physical body. So that doesn't matter. You're, you're a man, whether, you know, you are physically one or not a woman, same way. Um, but yet, yet somehow altering your body in the direction of the, the, the sex you identify as is, is life-saving and medically necessary intervention. Um, obviously, you know, this is a, a gender critical argument that's made all the time. It was, it was just brought back to my mind, but um, it's, yeah, it's so, so um, contradictory. Well, I mean, trans ideology by and large is full of contradictions <laughs> yeah, and, that, yeah. and that, and that, and that is one of them. And I mean, I, I look at it and go, okay, so on the one hand, you don't have to do anything at all to be trans. But on the other hand, children must transition as soon as humanly possible, or they will kill themselves. You can't have it both ways. And, you know, it, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it really, you know, again, it, it comes down to the, that contradiction. And it, you know, one of the things that I really hope that people start, you know, questioning and looking at is where are these narratives coming from and who are they benefiting? Because I don't think they are benefiting the children that have dysphoria. I don't think, you know, I don't think they're benefiting really a lot of people that are identifying as trans right now. And I actually think that, you know, I think you've got a lot of narratives that are doing a lot of harm. You know, one of the, th you know, one of the things that I see, you know, I don't, I don't comment on Reddit, but I go on and look at, you know, some of the Reddit sub forums and I see so many posts from people you know, particularly, you know, uh, you know, uh, male to female, uh, that, you know, they're, they're in their like early twenties or even like 19. And they're like, well, you know, my life is screwed because I didn't get on puberty blockers. And it's like, you're 19. There's plenty of us that, you know, transition much later than that and live perfectly happy lives. You know, this idea that, you know, this idea that you have to do it as early as possible in order to have a successful outcome is hurting a lot of people, you know, and I, I really, I used, I used to support um, at least blockers. I used to support at least blockers. And I'm to the point now I don't support even social transition for anyone at least at least under 16, even socially, 
because I think it cements this idea in people's heads that this is what I am. You know, I, you know, I get called out because I didn't transition until I was 39, but I was diagnosed at 16. I had, you know, I had, well, we called it gender identity disorder back then, you know, back, you know, when I was, you know, five, eight was when I first learned about transsexuals. Um, but, you know, my parents, even though I had been diagnosed, were basically like, you know, yeah, we're not, you know, we understand that you feel this way, but we're not going you know, to do anything about it, you're too young, you know, you, you don't have enough experience in, you know, to really know that this is the box you want to put yourself in for the rest of your life. And, you know, to an extent, they were right, you know, as bad as my dysphoria was, and I mean, I did things physically to my body that were, you know, fortunately, not as harmful as they could have been. Uh, but, you know, as I, you know, went through college and started an adult life, you know, I migrated into a place where, you know, I wasn't constantly ruminating on my gender and the dysphoria that I was feeling. You know, I was actually doing things like taking college courses and working, and I eventually... You know, because everyone was basically saying, yeah, you're probably just gay. And eventually I decided, well, maybe I'll try that out. Maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe I am. And you know, I met the man who became my husband. And, you know, that helped with the dysphoria for a long time until it didn't. But at least one of the things that I can say now is you know the fact that i was attracted to men is not the reason why excuse me uh i transitioned whereas it probably would have had a big a big part to play in that back when i was you know a kid because believe it or not i didn't you know i knew about transsexuals before i really knew about gays and lesbians um and one of the things that stopped me from really thinking oh well yeah i'm really just gay is because the image of gay men that i was seeing was not like the men that i was attracted to and so it took me as an adult to realize oh there's a wide variety of gay men out there <laughs> you know that you know there are gay men that I find attractive. Yeah, I mean, even now that I've transitioned, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of that old joke of, you know, well, darn, you're on the wrong team now. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'll see somebody. Oh, yeah, back back in the day, you probably would have gone for me. Now, not so much. <laughs> uh, and but, you know, kids don't kids don't have that um, that, you know, ability to reason like that and it surprised me when i started to realize because in a way i thought you know i thought you know kids today have it so much better you know it's so much easier to grow up and be gay and lesbian and be open and not have to 
you know, feel so much stigma about, about that. And then to realize how many people really still are struggling with that and struggling with that as part, you know, and bleeding that into part of this whole gender identity thing. Uh, that really shocked me because I just kind of thought we had gotten to a point where we were kind of past that. And it's, you know, I'm sad that we, I'm sad that we are kind of mixing that all into uh, gender now as well. It's just, yeah. Well, and the, the lines they're drawing are becoming so extremely rigid. Like if you're a boy and you like soft, plushy stuff toys, then you're obviously a trans trans boy. So you're going to grow up to be a woman. You're going to grow up to be a trans woman, right? If, if you're a girl and you want to play baseball and play with Tonka trucks, then you're a trans boy and you're going to grow up to be a man, right? Like the, they, they, the trans radical activists say that they, the binary is bad, and yet they're enforcing a very rigid binary onto children. Yeah. Well, what, like that mom, was she from Texas? I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the mom that was interviewed, you know, so, so she's, you know, celebrating the fact that she has a, a trans daughter, but it was interviewed and, and fully admit that when she first saw signs of, of um, you know, if we, I don't know if we use the word effeminate or, or how, how to best say that, but, you know, that, that her male child was exhibiting signs of, of femininity and showed interest in feminine things, which they said, well, we don't want a gay son. And, and we're beating this kid for being, for being what they thought was gay until it sort of dawned on them, well, no, maybe we actually have a trans girl here. And, and now they celebrate that. I mean, is that... Right. There is that Iranian, that other, yeah. It's, it's it's very Iranian that I would rather just have a, a you know a normal straight girl than than a little gay effeminate boy. Yeah, and, and well, and I'm mean, again. That's you know it it strikes me, you know, because you know, I think you know most of us are probably around that same age, somewhere in their you know forties and thereabouts. And I mean, I you know I grew up in that time. I you know my parents were. Fortunately, you know, they were not draconian about things, but they certainly, they certainly saw the direction I was going in as a child. You know, I, you know, I certainly very clearly remember, you know, I was, you know, I was coached on how I should talk at times and how I should walk at times and, you know, how, you know, it's really inappropriate to giggle on the phone when I, you know, when I would talk on the phone or something like that, or how I carried my books. Um, I didn't even realize that there was a specific way that men carried their books versus women carried their books in school until, you know, I was basically told, well, you know, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, okay. I didn't know that. Um, but I mean, they weren't, they weren't, you know, monsters about it it was you know it was like you know we are seeing things in you that are probably going to make your life 
harder. And we don't want your life to be harder. And I understand that, you know, I understand that from a standpoint of, you know, the 80s. It makes me very sad that, you know, we are still 30 years later in that same place, except for now that, you know, now that we are literally telling people, you know, this makes you the opposite sex. And it's like, you know, or it makes you so, you know, it makes you some variant of non-binary. <laughs> um, it's like, well, you know, what's wrong with, you know, what's wrong with being just, me you know, feminine if you are male, masculine if you are female, you know, and I, you know, I would have thought at by this point we had gotten to, we'd get to a point where really the people that decided to transition really do it for a comfort in their physical body more so than this idea of fitting into a societal role or this idea of masculine or feminine. Cause I would, you know, I was kind of thinking that, you know, we'd eventually get to a point where that stuff doesn't really matter. And I think, and I think for myself, you know, I, you know, I won't say I'm there completely, but I think that's, that's where I've gotten to mentally is, you know, look, if you, if you want to call me, he call me, he, I don't, I don't care. I'm probably not going to want to hang out with you socially because it's going to be kind of weird, but you know, my world is not going to crumble. You know, I, you know, what's important to me at this point is I feel comfortable with the body that I have. I don't feel like there's much that I do that is different now at this point than prior to me transitioning. I still have the same type of job. I still act very much the same way. I mean, I wear different clothes kind of because it's expected and you know they fit better at this point but you know i miss pockets uh, <laughs> uh, but you know otherwise you know it, people people ask me like well what can you do now that you couldn't do as a man and it's like oh, really nothing i mean honestly um you know it just you know this my body is what i feel comfortable with now and so you know, call me what you want, you know, that's not going to, you know, that's not going to change how I, you know, go through the world. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could, we could chat with you for another hour at least. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, yeah, it's, been, it's been great to have you on. Unfortunately, I'm short on time today, more, more so than usual. Um, but, but we'd love to have you back if, yeah, sure. You're willing um, so we can keep chatting with you and hearing yeah, your perspectives. I, I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, uh, and I always, you know, I, I don't get enough opportunity to talk to trans men that often. So it is very nice to you know, kind of have that back and forth and uh, you know, bounce things off of you guys. And, you know, because I think, you know, I think it, Unfortunately, I think you guys get the short end a lot <laughs> in this. You know, you are kind of 
you know, pushed to the background a lot. And like I said, unless you, you know, unless you are brought up to kind of support trans women, it's, you know, that's, yeah, and you know, and that's and not fair. <laughs> and we felt like you're saying you don't get the opportunity to talk to trans men very often. We don't get the opportunity to talk to trans women very often, because like you were saying in the beginning, very few want to talk about this stuff. So uh, very much appreciate you uh, talking about it with us. I, I, I've had fun. It's been nice, nice, uh, putting some faces to names. (laughs) Likewise. I I think, you know, a lot lot of people miss you on Twitter. So I think they'll really appreciate hearing from you too. And knowing that you're doing okay. So hopefully your appeal, um, you know, and I, and I, and I've, and I've got, um, I've got some video ideas that I'm, uh, working on, uh, I re- uh, the next one I really want to do, um, I was going to do a uh, kind of a response to your uh, piece that got uh, drug through the mud, uh, <laughs> but you've taken it down for revision. So I will wait for until <laughs> that's back up. <laughs> that's back up. Um, but I also, um, also uh, want to do a video uh, kind of similar to this, what we talked about today. Uh, because you know, I've read both um, Helen Joyce's book and uh, Kathleen Stocks, and you know both of them really you know got hit with the transphobic label, and it's like you know there's nothing transphobic about those books. They're talking you know they're talking about the ideology, and so you know you we've got to get this idea out of our heads that you know, discussing the ideology is attacking trans people ourselves. You know, we have to be able to separate it. But I unfortunately, I don't think most can because there, yeah, because it's gotten to the point where being trans itself is nothing but an ideal. Yeah, that's a yeah, great indeed. point. Yeah. Be a good place yeah, to start think- a whole a whole new conversation. Yeah. So, well, guys, have a great afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You as well. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for talking to us.